0: Him.
1: live from the finley toyota espn las vegas studios
0: you know what i'd do if i own a hockey team
1: this is the press box
0: i hire a sumo wrestler
1: with grady and bischoff
2: i'd give me uniform transportation 500 bucks a week to sit in the goal eat a ham sandwich and enjoy the game my team would never get scored on
1: on espn las vegas you would get scored on constantly maybe but we sell a
0: few tickets
3: All right, here we are on a Wednesday. It's Ed,
4: Tyler, Daniel running the show.
0: (laughs) Thanks for that, Ed.
4: Yeah, you missed our conversation about names (laughs) yesterday. And if Danny gets called Danny, Daniel, or Dan... And uh, who is, you you finally figured it out. Who is the only person to call you Daniel?
0: Yeah, the only person that calls me Daniel is John Von Tobel's wife.
4: Very, very bizarre that that was the only one. I was ex- totally expecting a random family member.
0: She She calls me Danny, but for the most part, she calls me Daniel. All right.
4: Now, you
3: said you're... Uh, girlfriend calls you Daniel, but that's because you don't do anything around the house?
0: That's that's <laughs> if I'm ever in trouble. Yeah. And lately, she's she may a lot may, of or may not lately? be using it quite often just because I work too much and don't get enough around the house done.
3: Yeah, I don't get called Edward.
0: That's why I, uh, last Friday, I was off from all of my jobs, so I spent the entire day doing stuff around the house. Really? Yeah. Got quite a bit accomplished, too.
4: That's unfortunate.
0: No, it actually felt good. No, 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 no. But no. We, Shores we not did get feel it. good. Well, because she's got like this little saying that she's been wanting me to hang up on the wall for probably like eight months or something. And it's been leaning up against the wall that it's supposed to be hanging on. So I finally got that up and we got a new <laughs> microwave about, I don't know, a month or so ago. And it's been in the corner of our dining room. And I was like, Yeah, well, I mean, we got it a month ago, so you only got seven more months till it's up. <laughs>
3: did you put it in?
0: Not yet, no. Can you? I told her on my next off day.
4: Do you have the ability to?
0: Oh yeah.
3: You can hang a microwave.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Me well, and I, my dad did that. It was uh a lot we, we I went and bought one. From the from Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, this is easy to install." Four hours later, we're still struggling with it. We got it eventually, but he's like, "Oh yeah, this will take you like thirty minutes." It was like took us thirty minutes to get the instructions out and read them, let alone install the damn thing. Yeah, but we did
3: it. I think the key is maybe playing competent to where they get so mad they just go, "I'll do it myself."
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, because that's when I'm really water the yard,
3: not the. You know, not over there. The yard. What? What? Where am I? Where? where
4: Where's this supposed to go? Danny's already set the expectations too high. He can't. He can't go back now.
3: I mean, if he's
0: hanging
4: microwaves by himself, he's beyond us.
0: Oh, I'm. I'm doing. I do most of the stuff around the house. Any furniture that needs to be built or anything. You're
4: building furniture. Oh yeah, like IKEA furniture, or you're like buying two by fours from no, like like IKEA
0: furniture or any other. Like if we get it from like Walmart or wherever. All that stuff. I mean, that's what I did when I when I went to school and I wasn't working just to make money. I would buy pallets of buildable furniture and just sell it all.
4: We're going to have Mike Ramal on the show. He has built yes. like, by hand furniture, like bought yes. wood uh, from I've, Lowe's uh, and built a bench and a whatever else i did that growing
0: up my uncle his one of his side gigs was like building fences and decks and patios and sheds and all that so i would occasionally go on those and help him
4: yeah so my grandfather did and i hated every single second i was there
0: the first bite should the golden knights play every game on the road
3: I think they should. What what an offensive output last night. All of a sudden, they're
4: just juggernauts with these with these goals left and right. This team scored four goals during a three-game homestand. They scored six <laughs> last, night. last night in the first road game after that three-game homestand. Uh, one was an empty netter, but even without it, they scored five goals, which was more than they did in a three-game homestand. So here here's where the Golden Knights are. They are 13-2-1 on the road. Like that—that that is an unbelievable road record. It's—I think Boston has the best home record, and they're like fifteen zero and one, and that one is the Vegas. And there's one other team, and I'm blanking on them, who has an incredible home record. The Golden Knights' road record would be the third best home record in the NHL in the if it was a home record. Yeah, that's how ridiculous it is. And somehow they're just like a five hundred team at home. At home, a fortress. Right. It's it's crazy. Like they're they obviously the best road record. Their home record is 18th best in the league which is, I don't know, bizarre to me that they could be 500 at home, but just be unstoppable. And like we talked about earlier this week, I don't understand the offensive output here. Like, I don't understand what the reasoning is behind. They cannot score at home. They're unbelievable. They're one of the best on scoring the teams on the road. Yeah. And so, like, if, they, if they're if they road stats this year, if they played every game on the road based on what they've done so far, they'd have the best record in the league and they'd be the best scoring team in the league. Yeah. If they just put all their road stats through the rest of the season.
3: Well, Marshall got two on power plays last night. Yeah, two power plays. In the third period goals. to go up 4-3. Look at the goal To go 5-4 four, from 4-3 four, down. Yeah.
4: Down a goal to up a goal yeah. with Marshall on the power play.
3: Mark Stone should go home more often.
4: Probably, yeah. yeah. They, sh- they should have more homecoming games. Yes, exactly. For <laughs> where, Mark Stone. Where are all these guys at and have a homecoming <laughs> exactly. game?
3: It's like when you promise the kid to come to your school. We're going to yes. play at least one game in your hometown.
4: Isn't that why UNLV, did they play in South Dakota because of that? Is Someone from South Dakota? Oh, that feels wrong.
3: Where was Life Pacific Insurance Company from? Did someone come from that city and you <laughs> had to play a game against Life Insurance Pacific Company? Oh, I
0: believe they, they came somewhere from uh, California.
3: Oh, well, then there's a good chance because there's probably someone on the team from California. We're going to play your hometown Life
4: Pacific. The <laughs> yes, family's exactly. like, you're playing who? <laughs> you're Never not playing even Stanford or Cal? So the Golden Knights power play scores two goals last night is a big reason why they won that game. Uh, Jonathan Marshall scored scored both of them basically from the same spot too. Uh, if you look at their numbers overall for the year, they're up to 14th in goals basically per minute on the power play and 15th in expected goals per minute on the power play. So this is a middle of the road league average power play, which is an improvement on last year. Uh, and I wonder, like, is that good enough essentially like, can this team be a cup contender if their power play is just simply league average? Are they good enough at five on five that, hey, just don't suck on the power play and you'll be good?
3: I don't think they've been good enough five on five That's yet. That's true.
4: Well, recently they certainly Recently average. they have not been yeah.
3: good five on five. Eight, I think eight, seven, and one now in their last 16.
4: So we I asked this question yesterday with Lindsay in here, um, and it was before last night's game, but first 15 games they played, they were uh, 13-2-0 the second 15 games they played they were 7-7 and 1 it's now 8-7 and 1 over 16 do you think they're more like the 13-2 and 0 team or the 7-7 and 1 team i think they're more like the 8-7 and 1 team i i agree with that i believe this team is not i don't believe they're one of like the three or four best teams in the league no. which is what 13-2 and 0 is I don't believe they're simply a 500 team right. that's going to scrape right. along. I think they're better than that. They're somewhere in between, but I do think to I still think they're going to win the Pacific. And you know what? I was thinking about this last night because I was like, I don't feel like the Golden Knights are a true cup contender. I don't feel like this is, hey, they're, they're right there with the Boston Bruins. Right? I don't feel right. like they're one of the two or three best teams in the league. But if you look at the Pacific Division, uh, is anybody in this division better than them? Like what are, I don't like, think. I mean the Kraken are in second right. place. And like the Oilers have uh, they're, they're like off. Fourth. Calgary's lost 3 in a row. Yeah, it's it's like it's hard to look at the other teams in the Pacific and say, "Oh, well clearly uh, this team is better than Vegas." That that team no, doesn't you can't exist say in the that. Pacific. And then if you look at the Central, the other division in the West, Winnipeg was in first until the Golden Knights beat them last night. They're 3-0 and zero against Winnipeg. Yeah, right. Like, is is Dallas they, better than Vegas? I mean, Vegas? are they better? I mean, is Pete DeBoer better than uh, Bruce Cassidy? So my my first thought was, well, they're not really a, a cup contender. I don't, I don't think they're that good. But then but, if you start comparing them to the rest of the West, it's kind of like, well, I don't think any of these teams are actually that much better than Vegas, which by default would make them a cup contender because they yeah, end up so if you get out for of the, the West
3: and right. anything can happen at that point.
4: So it it's almost like if this team plays a little bit above 500 the rest of the way. They're going to have a good chance to win the Pacific. They're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to have a good chance to win the Pacific. And then I'm not sure these teams are that good. Maybe Colorado gets healthy. Like, Colorado's record isn't very good right now, but they've no, had... No, but McKinnon's. Yeah. Maybe Colorado gets healthy, and and they don't have a good seed, but Colorado's in the playoffs, and they're back to being the Colorado Avalanche right. that we've seen the last couple of years. But it just feels like maybe Vegas isn't that good, but maybe it doesn't matter because... Nobody in the West West is not great. All the good teams, or I think the teams you're talking about that are better than them are in the East. It it is. So it doesn't feel like a legitimate cup contender to me, but the competition out here is neither does Seattle, neither does Edmonton, neither does Calgary. Maybe Dallas is, maybe Winnipeg is, but the Golden Knights are 3-0-0 against Winnipeg. So it's a very strange scenario to be in, and it's one, if you're the Golden Knights, you hope you take advantage of Right, if you're looking around saying, Oh, well, we might be the seventh best team in the league, but the other the top five or six are in the east, well, we need to take advantage right. of this and, and find ourselves in the Stanley and Cup Finals. And if Final. you can get in the Stanley Cup finals, then right. I mean it's four wins, it's anything. Yeah. So it's a very, very interesting place uh, to be in. Now, a couple of notes from last night's game. Uh, Daniil Merrimanov scored his first career goal for the yep. Golden Knights. Uh, one of the defensemen that's playing because the Golden Knights have three defensemen right. out. Uh, but here was a fun stat. He's now tied for third among Golden Knights defensemen and goals this year <laughs> <laughs> with one because Petrangelo and Theodore obviously have scored and then White Cloud and Hague each have one. Alec Martinez and Braid McNabb have not scored this year. So Miramanov scoring one goal, his first career goal, and he's tied for third. If he scores another one on what do they play tomorrow? If he scores another one tomorrow. He'll be in third all by himself in goals among Golden Knights defensemen. So Theodore and Petrangelo have had good seasons, but the actual goal production from those guys uh, hasn't actually uh, shown up very much this year. And they haven't gotten the secondary scoring from defensemen at all. It doesn't exist. Um, Another interesting point, uh, this was a tweet from uh, Murat Eights, who covers the uh, Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. So Mark Stone scores two goals. And then Jonathan Marchessault scores on the power play to tie the game at four in the third period. And apparently Mark Stone celebrated so vigorously that the typical Mark Stone celebrating Celebration, a goal. Pumping the fist. That Golden Knights fans in Winnipeg thought Mark Stone scored the goal. For so the they, hat trick. So they threw hats on the ice, <laughs> even though it was Jonathan Marchessault <laughs> who scored the goal. And I love that that Mark Stone celebrates in such a way that even when he doesn't score people think he did people are like oh that guy had to have scored look at how crazy he's going <laughs> but no it wasn't Mark Stone it was Jonathan March and everybody else <laughs> got fooled by it uh, and then one other thing Winnipeg Jets first goal uh, Mark Seifley deflected one in Aiden Hill because of the deflection Aiden Hill's moving to his left yeah and the deflection the, to the right the puck goes back to the right tough luck on a goalie right but as he's moving to his left and he realizes the puck is going to his right, Aiden Hill throws his stick at the puck. No, he didn't hit it and I didn't take the time to look this up. I assume it's illegal. I assume if he had stopped <laughs> yes. the puck, there would have been a penalty on the play. But I feel like that should be legal. If you can if you're the goalie and you can throw your stick at the puck and stop it, that should be legal. There's probably Yeah, I mean Anything to anything to stop the cup should
3: probably the, the, the puck should probably be uh, legal for
4: them. There's probably some danger in terms of, you know, you just throw in your stick and hitting another player, right? Like that's probably a little bit dangerous, but if you can just throw it and like, you're going the wrong way and you're like, Oh, they got to throw my stick and get it. It should probably be legal. Yeah. It's, I know in baseball, if a fielder throws their glove at the ball, I think it's a, it's either a two or a three base uh, punishment. So, like, if you if the ball's past you and you just throw your, throw glove, your glove and hit it, stop it, I think everybody gets two bases from where they are at that moment. May, it might even be three too. So, there is another sport that's kind of a similar situation. I don't know what happens in football if you manage to take your helmet off, take and hit, your helmet off and, and throw hit it the, at the ball. Yeah, hit the ball while it's in the air. I'm guessing that's very yards. illegal. Yeah, but it might be worth it. It might be better than pass interference. Pass interference is a spot foul. Yeah, that's right. If you know it's about to be fifty yards, throw your helmet at yeah, it. Yeah, might be better. So I think that should be absolutely legal from Aiden Hill, Uh, but it's probably not, Uh, but I'm glad that he tried. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders because they might be healthy this week. Same formation as first down, second and
0: goal from the one. Snap, give to Josh again, off the right side, has some room, squeezes in, touchdown Raiders! An opening drive, 75-yard push, and Jacobs caps it off with a one-yard dive through the right side, and it's 6-0 Las Vegas.
1: It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
4: The Raiders take on the New England Patriots on Sunday. This game was originally going to be Sunday night football, but it got flexed out of Sunday night. Uh, You remember when people were upset that the Raiders got flexed out and then they lost to Baker Mayfield in the Rams? There
3: were some people very upset (laughs) about it being flexed out. Uh,
4: (laughs) And then they probably had one of the two most embarrassing losses of the season. Yes. Losing to Baker Mayfield. I threw a party,
3: but there were some people who were upset about being
4: flexed out. Who knew all of three plays. Uh, So no Sunday night for the Raiders and the patriots but they could get darren waller and hunter renfro back uh vinnie bonsignore reporting that uh earlier this week did you know waller and renfro uh have combined for one touchdown this season renfro that doesn't in, surprise me at Renfro's all played in six wallers played in yeah, five that doesn't surprise. waller i've got to be honest i'm surprised waller's played in five it doesn't seem like he's played that much he's the one that has the touchdown too renfro doesn't have one it's darren waller with the only touchdown between the two of them. It is uh, technically four games for Waller and then the, what, five snaps against Kansas City. Right. So, so it counts as a game kind of played, four. but he played all of, you know, three or four snaps in that one. So it, in reality, he's played in four games for the Raiders this season. Does anything... Is there is there a significant change to the offense if those two are back and healthy and playing this week against the Patriots? I mean,
3: you'd think they'd like to get them involved, uh, but we'll see. I... With Waller, it's believe it when you see it to me. Um, This this hamstring or whatever he's had for so long, uh, I want to see him be healthy. Now, Renfro had an abdominal pull, I think, or something with his his, uh, uh, abdominal area. Um, So if he comes back, I have more faith in Renfro than I do Waller, to tell you the truth, to come back and make some kind of impact.
4: That's fair. I think it's perfectly fair to look at it and say, once once Waller actually does it again, you'll believe that yes, Waller yes, is back is to being back. the big time tight end threat right. that he was supposed to be coming in to this season. So here's the part that's curious to me. Before that Rams game, the Raiders had won three in a row. Darren Waller was going off in basically every game. And as Jared pointed out, there were so many times where he would be in single coverage and the defensive back would fall down and he'd be wide open. And it was interesting to see how many times Adams would have a big play against some form of single coverage where there wasn't either a straight double or a bracket or or even just safety over the top. It was just straight single coverage. It was interesting to see that Adams, despite there being no Waller, despite there being no Renfro, was still getting that type of coverage from the defense. Because you would think if you're defending against the Raiders passing those two are out. Who's Foster Moreau? Who's right. Matt Collins? Who's Keelan Cole? I don't really care. I'm going to put three bodies I'm on Devontae Adams. Adams. So it was interesting to see that he was still getting that type of coverage. So obviously the loss to the Rams, obviously Devontae Adams didn't do much of anything. He only got three catches in that game, but it almost feels like even without those two out Adams was fine, right? Like there wasn't anything. It's not like Adams wasn't open. It's not like Carr couldn't find him in most games. So I don't know if it has a big difference on when Carr targets Adams. I think where it could have a difference is the criticism of Carr not throwing to Adams and the losses, right? What is it? Four Mm -hmm. games. He's under four catches and they've lost all four or something like that. Potentially. Oh, he's not throwing to Adams because Waller's open and Waller goes for 96 yards, or he's not throwing to Adams because Renfro's having a big day and Renfro goes for 110 yards or something like that. I think there's the potential that that helps the Raiders, where it's like, oh, it's not just about Adams, and those two can have a big game, and okay, Adams only had 42 receiving yards, but the passing game was still a big threat. Uh,
3: if if Waller and Renfro come back and make start making plays, isn't it also obvious possible that Devontae Adams is even better. Yes. If, uh, if that's a big if, by the way.
4: Yes. Um, if those two are good, it, basically it probably wouldn't happen in one game. Maybe there'd be some in-game adjustments, but like if I'm the Patriots, I'm going into this game. If Renfro and Waller play, I'm kind of with your mindset. All right, they're going to have to prove it before I worry about, you know, changing my defense to cover them. Right. right? Like I'm still focused on Devontae Adams, but let's say Adams doesn't do a whole lot, but Waller has six catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. And Renfro has seven catches for 94 yards or something in this game. Then the rest of the season, defenses might say, okay, uh, we can't just focus completely on Adams. We've got to cover these guys too. And then it starts to free up Adams. Other, But here's the other thing at the end of the day. Devontae Adams is so good. It doesn't, I don't think it matters. Right. Like. Yes, you can just whatever on the goal line just bracket him and just put two guys on top of him and say good luck. that uh, what was it the Calvin Johnson image from like twelve years ago. I can't remember what team it was, but they were on the goal line and they literally just lined up two defensive backs right on top right of on top of him said you're not you're you're not allowed to catch the ball right yet. We're just gonna tackle you. So like maybe you could do that but it, Adams is so good that's it doesn't matter like he's gonna get open a lot of the times and even when he doesn't, He's gonna make that ridiculous one-handed catch, anyways. Yes. <laughs> like the, the God, it's so crazy that he had two unbelievable catches in that Rams game. The one-handed catch down the sideline, and then down the other sideline where Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Adams had half a step on him, maybe, and Carr made a great pass, and Adams just threw his hands up at the last minute. So Ramsey that was couldn't the punch most impressive
3: out. part. Like Ramsey's probably watching it when his hands go up. Well, did you see the never... replay? Yeah.
4: Ramsey has his arm up ready to swipe.
3: Right. But his, and, but Adam's hands aren't even right. up.
4: And he's waiting for Adams to put his hands right. out to know when to swipe. And because Adams was so good at not putting his hands until the very last right. second, Ramsey didn't have a chance. Right, Because Ramsey didn't. Ramsey knew, OK, the ball's probably coming here. But he wasn't looking back. So he didn't know when the ball was coming. He was waiting on a cue from Adams' body. Right. And Adams knew that, gave him the cue extremely late and still made the catch it's crazy he can be that good and even when he's not necessarily open. So, we'll see what they actually do here. Um do you put anything into uh the Raiders signing a new offensive lineman yesterday? I don't know how to pronounce it. Natani Moody.
3: I put in the fact that they mismanaged it from the very beginning with some with this offensive line and they didn't make upgrades to start even though you know there's been games recently where the offensive line's been pretty good, but cutting John Simpson um I guess we should have seen that coming. He hadn't played a snap since uh, Alex Bars went out. Boy, that 2020
4: class. (sighs) What a disaster. So, okay, the John Simpson cut, there's a couple things that's interesting to me. Number one, he was one of the starters they picked going into week one. Right. And he played in the first two games of the season, and he did not play a single snap until last week when Alex Bars got hurt. So they misidentified talent in the off season, in the preseason, because they thought John Simpson was a starter and he did not play for basically the entire season. The other part, they benched him, right? They realized, oh, he's not very good. And then they didn't cut him or try to make an upgrade at the offensive line until he had to play and wasn't very good. That's not very good management, right? Like maybe it's, I don't know. You can't, can't point at John Simpson and say, oh, he's the reason they lost, but like, they waited until John Simpson played poorly to be like, oh, we need to get rid of this guy. When they benched him after week two and did not play him for like <laughs> known. nine straight games. Why did it not happen earlier? Right. And it took until, oh, oh yeah, he's bad. That's why we benched him. Oh, we need to cut him again. To me, that's just weird management, weird roster management too. They clearly identified he wasn't any good, but he stuck around until he cost him, you know, again, he didn't cost him the game, but until they lost a the game and he had to play because of it. So. Very, very weird roster management there. All right, coming up next, Mike Grimala joins the show. Um, a- Inbounds pass is knocked away and stolen. Jackie Johnson comes away with it. Jackie off the glass, and Luis Rodriguez for the slam dunk. Defense into offense, and the Rebels lead 14-3. to three. Comes middle of the floor. Keyshawn curls down the lane. A lot of contact. Gosh. Keyshawn puts it off the glass and in. Oh, it Back be- a- Basket counts, and a
0: foul. Keyshawn got bumped and then threw in a almost
1: like a running hook shot high off the glass, and it went in. He's never seen a steak that is too gray. He once ate half a box of Cheez-Its for lunch and finished off the other half for dinner. He has eaten exactly one taco in his life. He is Mike Grillmala.
2: Have tacos changed that much since I tried one?
4: Mike Grimallo from the Las Vegas Sun. All right, Mike. Uh, Danny and Ed were talking about this in the break. When does UNLV get ranked? When is there a number next to UNLV's name?
2: I think if they can get through the next two, the final non-conference games and you're 12-0, and then you've got a, a little bit of a break before conference begins, I think that's when you see it happen, because that gives a couple other teams ahead of you time to lose, and that 12-0, that and 0, that perfect non-conference slate, is something that will uh, attract enough attention. I think that's probably your what you're looking at in terms of a timeline for them to be back in the top 25.
3: See, I, I took it a little further and said 14-0, and because that means they would have beaten San Diego State.
2: Oh, I mean, if they do that, they're definitely ranked. They may, you know, they... Might get into the top twenty at that point. Um, yeah, that would be a, a definite factor. I'm, but maybe it's wishful thinking on my part because I would kind of like—I want them to go. You know, I want them to be ranked for that San Diego State game ahead of time.
4: I think they will. I think if they do, if win, I, I think Mike's on on the right track. If they win the next two, because they they only play twice before Christmas. Right. Right. There's a lot of other college basketball games that are going to happen. Like Mike said, other teams are going to lose. I think if they win too, they're 31st right now. If you expanded the poll out right. to others receiving votes, I think they'll get in the top 25 if they win the next two against San Francisco and Southern Miss. Which, by the way, those are both—they're not top 100, but they're both top 150 teams in Ken Palm. So it's not like those are—you're not beating the 315th best team in college basketball. You're beating two teams like Southern Miss is like nine and 10 and one, or something like that this year. Um, all right, Mike. Before we go back to UNLV basketball. Danny, before the show, was talking about how he he likes to, I think, build furniture. But he was mainly talking about, like, Ikea furniture and stuff like that. Uh, have you built uh, any furniture recently just out of wood you bought at the hardware store?
2: Not recently. Um, that's kind of like a, a summertime hobby of mine. Um, I can, But I do that in my spare time. The last thing I made was a, a bench, like a nice interior bench that's in my living room now. It's like... Four and a half feet long. It's very sturdy. You've seen it. It's pretty nice. Um, yeah, but nothing <laughs> nothing since the, the weather got colder.
4: How much does it weigh? The bench? Yeah. like is, uh, it, is it unbelievably heavy?
2: It's. I can move it around by myself, but it would be easier with a second person.
4: All right. Because like my, my grandfather also just built the furniture for the hell of it out of wood that he had. But everything he built was unbelievably heavy like the heaviest thing you've ever built in your life. When my car ran into my house, a bench, well, more of a stool that my grandfather had built was in between the the house and my car, and that probably for- prevented my car from rolling auk- actually through the wall into the house.
2: <laughs> because if you're buying your own lumber, you're not buying, like, particle board. You're not buying, like, cheap stuff. If you're going to go through the process of making something, you're not going to skimp and buy, like, cardboard you know, you're not going to make a table out of cardboard. You're going to buy, like, good, like, 2 by 6 lumber, and you're going to put it all together with that. So, yeah, the end product, it is it does, it does tend to be a little heavy and uh, on the sturdy side, but that's a good thing.
3: I think that was a veiled shot of Daniel <laughs> for uh, for Ikea.
2: No shots, man. No shots. Ikea has some good stuff. <laughs>
0: They have some great instructions as well. <laughs> uh,
4: all right, Mike, we saw this a little bit with Washington State. You know, we still won the game, but does UNLV lose their first game of the season at some point because they give up a bunch of open threes?
2: You know, I want to say yes, that will be the reason because you know, they play that defense where they are committing multiple men to defend the paint. Like they're, they're going to give you open three-pointers, um, but, I mean, who's going to shoot it better than Washington State did? Like, they, they made them all. They came out in the first, uh, the second half especially, they made their first five, I think, coming out of the break. That puts a lot of pressure on uh, on UNLV, and they held up, so, yeah, they're probably going to be a, a handful of times the rest throughout the rest of the season where opponents um, step up and make their three-pointers, but... I don't think that alone is going to be enough to beat them because we just saw Washington State do about as good a job as you can of of converting those open shots, and UNLV stood tough. They took those shots. They said, you know what, we're going to stay committed to our defense. We're going to give up a couple threes, but we're going to take away everything else. And they scored enough on the other end, so they're going to lose at some point. I don't think it's solely going to be because of the three-pointers. It'll probably be because they give up three-pointers and they have a rough offensive game of their own or they commit too many turnovers. You know, We haven't seen them have a game where they turn it over 20 times, um, which is probably coming. It happens to every team at some point. So it'll be a combination of things. I don't think it's just going to be solely because of the defensive system where they do give up the three.
3: If there's anything in this start that surprises you, what is it?
2: I think I, I, I was saying this weeks ago, but it still holds true. It's just how quickly they've, identify, like, how quickly they bought into this team identity, and just everyone is on board. You know, it's it's hard to get players, college-age players, you know, teenagers, to say, like, we want to play this defense-first system where we're going to really grind it out on defense. We're going to get shot clock violations. That's our biggest thing. That's our goal. And then on offense, we're going to spread the ball around, and we're not really going to have any superstars, but we're going to have 10 guys who just play – Uh, as hard as they can on defense and we're going to win that way. And it's going to be low scoring and not, maybe not the most exciting, but it's going to work. And I I was thinking before the season, like, Hey, yeah, that could work by the end of the season. The players will see that it works and they'll buy in, in time for the the mountain West tournament. And maybe they'll be playing their best ball. Uh, I did not expect them to buy into that before game one. And I think that's what we've seen. Like they are super committed to this, this system, and that's what's, that's what's brought on the success. I thought it would take much longer for that to kick in. So that's the biggest thing. And then the second thing I would say is uh, just the production of some of these transfers who we really didn't know what to expect. E.J. Harkless was really more of a third guy at Oklahoma. Luis Rodriguez was more of like a fifth or sixth man at uh, Mississippi. And They've both stepped up, like Luis Rodriguez, 12 points a game, E.J. Harkless, 14 points a game, and he's like, he's sort of the closer. They give the ball to him to make tough shots down the stretch. So those two guys, um, you know, they really hit on the transfer portal and the fact that they are really bought into the the system already, those are the two biggest surprises to me.
4: It's Ole Miss, not uh, Mississippi. do you have any idea when Eli Parquet could return? And is that a minimal difference to this team or a big-time difference for UNLV if they've got to play without him for a while?
2: They've got uh, a practice that's open to the media tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll, we'll find out then. We'll be able to see if he's on the court and participating. And we'll get to talk to Kevin Kruger afterwards. So tomorrow we should get an update on, on Eli Parquet. Uh, crunching the numbers, there's... N- There's not a a huge discernible difference. I I did it. uh, I wrote a story yesterday. Um, They are, for the season, they're plus 12.6 with Parquet on the floor. And then with lineups without Parquet, but with Justin Webster, who is his main backup, they're plus 12.0. So there's not a huge drop-off there, mostly because Justin Webster is on fire right now. I think he's like 11 of his last 13 from three-point range over the last four games. But they are... They're just as good with Webster in there for now. Um, I think what Kruger would probably be most concerned about is Parquet is their guy on the ball. That's the guy they like to put on the opposing point guard to harass him and wear him down throughout the game. So we may not see as much of that, or maybe they'll give those responsibilities to Keyshawn Gilbert uh, or E.J. Harkless for a couple games or or however long Parquet is out. Who knows how long it's going to be. but in terms of the numbers, they've been they've been able to patch it in when he's not on the floor. So um, we'll have to see if they can do that over a longer period of time. Maybe.
3: Have you been keeping track of the Mountain West because it certainly seems like there's it's going to be difficult to win in a lot of places.
2: It, it usually is. Like uh, I know you know San Diego State uh, always there. Wyoming off to a bad start, but they'll be getting their guys back. Uh, New Mexico, Utah State, obviously still undefeated. Um, so yeah, it's it's Kevin Kruger said the league is as good, if not better, than it was last year. Um, so they could be looking at another four, or five bid kind of season for the the Mountain West. So yeah, it's going to be a tough in conference, uh, but that's a good thing for UNLV. It gives them a few more chances to maybe add you know a, a quality victory along the way.
4: All right, before we let you go, what did you eat for dinner yesterday?
2: What I eat for dinner yesterday? Oh, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> this, it's not, it doesn't, probably doesn't count as a dinner per se. Um, what I got is uh, smart food, that, that, that seasoned popcorn. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes, yes, yes. So I had some of that. And then I bought a Whitman sampler, assorted chocolates. <laughs> they were 50% off at the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was going through that for um for most of the night as well
4: so you had uh like what is it white cheddar popcorn and chocolates?
2: yeah yeah i had about half of the bag of the popcorn and then i was going at the chocolates and uh man it's it's tough it's tough the whitman sampler used to be my favorite thing but apparently they've changed it and <laughs> oh, it's uh no it's, it's no longer. yeah they they've got rid of a bunch of the the best flavors. I went into a deep dive. They got bought by another company. Uh, they, they, Everything's changed. It's, it's the whole thing. How much time do you got to go to dive into this Whitman Sampler
4: conspiracy? Uh, Mike, I'm always glad when I ask you what you ate for dinner because that was a better answer than we could have expected. He's Mike Gravalle from the Las Vegas Sun. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. Wow,
0: that's phenomenal.
3: I was at CVS yesterday picking picking up some stuff and uh. I saw that Whitman-Sampler. I believe that's what he's talking about. That's a huge box if the, it's what I'm thinking of. And he did a deep dive into that thing. Well, He did a deep dive
4: into the company as to why they changed the product. The, the,
3: the type of chocolates. Right.
4: And discovered they were bought by another company. I promise Mike Romala is, I believe, 40 years old, not 12. Because if you ask a 12-year-old and you're like, hey, you've got adult money, what do you want to do for dinner? White cheddar popcorn and chocolate, yeah, please. exactly. <laughs> And that's what Mike Romala ate, who I believe is in his 40s. Phenomenal work. All right, we've got tickets to give away to go to the Las Vegas Bowl. The SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl is this weekend in Vegas. It's Florida, it's Oregon State, and we got a four-pack of tickets for you. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number if you want to go see Florida and Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. 702-364-1100. Be caller number seven right now at 702-364-1100. Livakovic is set and Lionel Messi as he ties an all-time World Cup record in his 25th game played. Trying to keep the dream alive of
2: winning it for the first time. Emiliano Martinez can't bear to watch. Messi buries it! Lionel Alvarez, he's got the support of Molina coming. In. Away from Brunigal. Able to recover at least for a moment. Messi dances around, turns the corner, gets inside of him, cuts it back. Julian Alvarez,
1: 3 Argentina. What a performance tonight! We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff.
4: not happened um, and would be sort of the crowning achievement of Lionel Messi's career. Are you at all interested in the legacy talk of Lionel Messi?
3: Yeah, I'm interested in any legacy okay. talk. Yeah,
4: I asked this to I'm asked interested in him coming to MLS. So I asked this to Lindsay and Danny yesterday and they both said yes. So I am uh, yeah. relatively enthused by the fact that people do care a little bit about Lionel Messi yeah. and winning the World Cup and it being like the stamp on his career and maybe the greatest career of all time in the sport. I mean, I want him to
3: win it for that. And I have no no cheering aspect or anything in the terms of, let's say it's France and Argentina. I wouldn't know, you know enough about them, but just right. because of him and the legacy, then I would root for him on Sunday.
4: I have always uh, liked Lionel Messi. I do a World Cup bet with two of my friends every four years. And every year I pick Argentina, except this year. I picked France.
0: Bold strategy, Cotton.
4: <laughs> so I still have France in it, but uh, I think I will be cheering for Argentina either way, just because I like Messi. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, he's been unbelievably good, and he's going to be here in Major League Soccer. Do we playing. know where he's playing?
0: Yes, yes. Inter
4: Miami. Yeah, that's David right. Beckham's that's right. Team.
3: That's right, Beckham's team.
4: And uh, as Matt Doyle, who covers Major League Soccer for uh, MLS.com, tweeted out, he can't wait to see Lionel Messi playing in the U.S. Open Cup. Which is the tournament that Lights FC plays in? Where he's going to have to go to some converted AAA baseball stadium and play in front of forty five hundred people? Oh, it'd be hilarious!
0: How many games are we going to get with Messi where he scores at least four goals?
3: Zero. That's a lot.
0: That's I a think lot. it's going to happen. Zero. What if
3: he was here and he came out at uh, he came out after halftime and Kinsako was hitting <laughs> balls in his and Messi'd be like, "What? Where did I come? What did I do here? Where am I?"